0: It's time for the Fanatics Miami Dolphins podcast on the Fanatics Network. The Jason Taylor All-In for Literacy Virtual Poker Championship Volume 6, hosted by Faded Spade, Wednesday, October 21st, 2020 at 6.30 p.m. Play alongside Dolphins Legends, TV and radio personalities, and the fanatics. Entry into the qualifier tournaments is a $99 donation to the Jason Taylor Foundation. But you can enter to win a free seat in the tourney simply by subscribing to the Fin Addicts Network on YouTube and DMing us a screenshot of you doing so. What's more, if you finish higher than all five Fin Addicts, you will also win this rad mini helmet actually signed by Jason Taylor himself. So what are you waiting for? Go subscribe to us on YouTube and let us know so everyone can go all in on literacy, a word we definitely didn't misspell.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fin Miami Dolphins podcast. Of course, there is only one way to start the show after a win. Brian, if you'd please hit him with it.
2: I will as soon as I find my mouse. Come on now. (laughs) Here we go. Miami has a Dolphin, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say
3: Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.
1: Oh, very cool. So I know it's one of those things that's kind of lost to history, but does anybody have any idea who the artist is that actually recorded that?
2: It actually said yeah. it at the bottom no, of no, that no. screen. But that's
1: not the guy. That's the, that's the man that wrote the lyrics. Okay. Nobody else actually recorded it. I know because I dug into it. I found his name and I found a whole article of him telling that story.
2: I
3: but know it wasn't Pitbull. If you ask, if you ask certain people in the NFL, they'll say it was the Houston Oilers, but I uh, don't give them
1: any credit. Oh well, I guess we'll never know. Either way, what a day for this Miami Dolphins team! Fitz had a perfect day, going 22 of 28 for 350 yards, three touchdowns, and uncharacteristically a Fitzy. no picks, effectively keeping two on the bench except when he hopped up to congratulate Fitz, of course. Now eight different of players caught passes the defense was live would you believe the 49ers were just in the Super Bowl I mean Miami dominated time of possession they led in total yards passing yards first down sacks total plays what a performance but now I am joined of course I am the legendary Savak I am joined by my co-host the Brian Byrne. Brian how you doing today?
2: I'm outstanding. It can't be any other way after Miami Dolphins win like that. Uh, We were talking before the show. I don't even know if I remember Miami Dolphins win like that. Uh, You know, David brought up the Jets-Farv game. You know, that's the kind of where we're – the company we're keeping. But you forgot one thing, Savak. Not only did they do all that, but they did that with jet lag on a a 3,500-mile flight to San Francisco in a late game. So what a performance. I'm so excited. And uh, we're back, baby. That's right. On the West Coast and everything. And
1: of course, everyone, today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, deputy editor of sports betting for ESPN.com. My guy, David Bearman, not Beerman. I made sure to to confirm with him beforehand. (laughs) Above all that, though. David is a die-hard Dolphins fan. David, how are you?
3: Great, happy to be with you guys. This was great. You know, I, I sat there yesterday and, and it was about as depressed as it gets because the Gators blew that game and cost themselves probably a national title. The, and then it's all forgotten. It's, it's gone. It's out the window because the Dolphins. We, we were discussing, like you said, Brian said before the show, trying to figure out the last time they put together a game like that. You know, top to bottom. Obviously, you, you beat Favre in, in the game in the Meadowlands that I was at to get to the playoffs the first time in forever, big game. Beat Buffalo a few years ago to get to the playoffs. And we all remember the Wildcat game that really came out of nowhere. Um, but I mean, like you said, you went cross country just before the game. You find out your schedule's flipped over and that you may not think that's a factor, but, you know, instead of going to Denver, you're going to New York. And uh, that was as complete of a game as I've seen them play in a very long time. You know, cat tip to Brian Flores and the coaching staff are getting them ready because you knew San Francisco wasn't the same San Francisco team that was in the Super Bowl last year due to injuries. But Jimmy G was back, Mostert was back, Debo was back. They were all back. And you're like, well, maybe we are going to play the 49ers minus Buckner and a few of the other Bosa and some good players. But they just dominated both sides of the lines. Uh, Fitzpatrick was amazing. At, at top to bottom, great game. Just great game. Happy to be on the show, too. <laughs>
1: We're happy to have you here, and couldn't agree more. But before we dive a little bit more into that, we'd like to ask you, of course, tell us a little bit more about what you do for ESPN.
3: Sure, like you said, and- deputy editor of sports betting at ESPN. Uh, I oversee the sports betting content at ESPN, primarily on the digital side. I worked on the uh, the TV side for 14 years in our stats information department, coming up with stats nuggets, helping all the live shows out, and then worked my way up to management in that department. Uh, Got to help launch Daily Wager, which is our six-day-a-week sports betting show that's on ESPN2 and ESPN News. And after helping launch that, about a year and a half ago, I moved over to the digital site and oversee the website ESPN Chalk. Uh, if you go to ESPN.com backslash chalk or find it in the app, you'll see wall-to-wall betting coverage in there. Some is behind the paywall and some is free. And one of the picks you'll see in there is a, a certain deputy editor picked the Miami Dolphins to win today. Um, I didn't think they'd win 43-17, to 17, but I did back up and – Walk the walk and talk the talk, and I am uh, I am worth more money today than I was about three and a half hours ago, as I did take the Miami Dolphins to win today.
2: So that takes us into our my first question. Uh, I too, they're in my pocket. I'm about three hundred dollars richer than I was to to start today. But I was going to ask you if you did bet on the Dolphins today. Absolutely, hell yeah. I, I the only thing I didn't hit. I picked the under on a couple of the parlays, but got the money line, got the odds. more coming my way. So
3: My my biggest one today, honestly, was I had the Steelers minus seven parlayed with the Dolphins' money line and the Colts' money line. Obviously, the Colts didn't win, but when the Dolphins jumped out to a 24-7 lead and it was 10-10 in the Colts-Browns game, you, you pull up the app, you go to the live betting, you scroll down, click on the Browns. I'll now go bet the Browns, guarantee myself a little soft hedge here, win some money colts go on to lose and, and you take advantage of the fact that you had the Miami dolphins at plus 325
1: very yes. cool and uh i didn't bet any money on it but i did call them winning of course not by <laughs> that staggering amount but hey i'll take it um i do have to ask as we have to ask most or basically every dolphin fan that we have on the show how did you become a dolphin fan
3: Actually, it's pretty simple. I was born and raised right where you guys are. Uh, My season tickets have been in the family since Shula's first year. I was pretty much born by saying the words Dolphins. My dad's been down, my parents are both from down there. Uh, Huge Dolphin fans. Born right after, you know, I I was born in the late 70s, so I missed the perfect season. My dad went to every single game of that season. Uh, Back then, when I was a kid, there was no Marlins, there was no Keith, there was no Panthers. It was just the Dolphins, Hurricanes, but Dolphins. And um, I've been going to games since I was six years old when we went to both AFC title games they lost to the, to the Bills and to the, uh, to the Patriots in 85. Been going since since 1985. It was one of my first games going to was right there. I remember watching the 84 Super Bowl. So I've been It's in my blood. Parents are still down there. Um, obviously, I'm up here in Connecticut with ESPN. I usually go to the Dolphins-Jets game every year in the Meadowlands when fans are allowed to go. Uh, go to Foxborough every year and then when they play other teams like the Giants last year or Washington. I've uh, been to Dallas. Uh, I, I traveled the country going to Dolphin games. I, I think I have a, a list in my out, out box of my email of uh, about 37 different Dolphin road games I've been to. I've worked in Albuquerque and Chicago, uh, Florida, North Carolina, and here doing the the gamut of, of working in sports and, and just go to Dolphin games at least one or two a year. I've been, you know, this year's going to Suck not going to one, especially since they're going to be down the street in New York next week. Well, now they are, I guess. That was supposed to be later in the year. Uh, huge Dolphins fan. Like, you know, I went to University of Florida, so obviously there's the Gators and the Heat are playing right now. So as soon as this is over, I'm going to watch the Heat survive. But thick and through, it's Dolphins, Dolphins, and, and more Dolphins. It's been there since day one. Still have season tickets, parents, it's in the family. I usually go home once a year to go to a home game as well. Won't be doing that this year, but... Hopefully that was the shortened version of of your answer that I do see. Today I took my family apple picking and pumpkin patching, what you do in the Northeast when it's October, um, and I was no further than the parking lot, and two people, random people, said go Dolphins to me. So I was wearing the Tua jersey. Um, one had a Dolphin mask on and one had a Dolphin hat on, and both of them were from Connecticut and just Dolphin fans. So that exists also. And every city I've lived in my entire life, there have been Dolphin fans, uh, but mine is actually because I'm from there and, and, and born and raised and spent the first 25 years of my life down there.
2: We're going to surprise you, David. We're not actually uh, from Miami. I'm in upstate New York. I'm over okay. in Albany, and uh, Savak is in Duval in Jacksonville, oh, wow. Florida, so... I you was, know, in
1: fact, at that Thursday night game. Uh, the first extra point that was kicked in that game bounced off the seat in front of me.
3: <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: But we'll,
0: All right, so so you're, we'll, we'll, you're,
3: you're, you're a Dolphin fan in Jacksonville, and are you always in – so you're in Buffalo territory. You're yep. in Bill's territory over there, so.
2: No, no, no. I'm in – I'm in Albany, like – it's like two hours north of the city, but I did go to the University of Buffalo. Buffalo's like four hours away, so – uh, I did go to the University of Buffalo as a Dolphin fan, but just like you, my, my first game was the 84 Super Bowl. Became a diehard fan ever since, mm-hmm. even though we lost. And, uh, you know, I endured, I endured that, that time at the University of Buffalo.
3: I was kind of hoping that because of the size of the deficit of the game today that Fox would decide not to bring up Marino versus Montana in the Super Bowl 19. <laughs> they did wait until a two-minute warning to bring it up. Um, but by, by that point, at the two-minute warning, you couldn't ruin my mood. No matter, no matter if you showed Montana and Bill Walsh being carried off the field, didn't matter at that point. The funny thing is, my parents still down there uh, called me at the two-minute warning and, and basically said, are "These the same Niners that were in the Super Bowl last year." And I'm like, "They are. <laughs> they have some injuries, but you couldn't see the Dolphins winning by. I can't even do the math. What the forty-three minus seventeen is. I guess it's twenty-six. But one hell of a win. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Absolutely." So I got to update everybody
2: on some Dolphins schedule changes. Uh, things got weird this weekend with COVID as it's been in 2020. And uh, at first we thought we were going to have a bye week next week, but that is not true anymore. We are moving the Jets at Miami to next week. So we are going to celebrate a victory over the 49ers by going home and uh, I hope Darnold is back because I'd like to make him see ghosts. So we'll <laughs> let the Jets come down on Miami and, and beat up on them. Uh, now we it gets confusing. So New York's bye week has been moved from week 11 to week 7. Uh, the Chargers at Dolphins moves from week 7 to week 10. And the Dolphins at Broncos moves moves from week 6 to 11. So we have – we have a, a bye week, I'm sorry. Week seven week? now, two weeks. Two weeks. So we play the Jets, and then we get a then we get a bye.
3: I, I joked on Twitter that my uh, my wife had made plans for us to do some more fall stuff two weeks from now, and I was like, ah, would the Dolphins play at one versus the Chargers? Let's do it next week since we're going to get a bye now. Too late to switch it up, so I joked that I sent Roger Goodell an email and said, if you're – gonna do this you might as well blow the whole thing up and give us the bye week on week seven that's exactly what he did so thank you roger
2: yeah i can't wait i can't wait next week to to whoop some whoop on some jets and just just keep this party going i just wish
3: we could go to the game that's the only thing i wish we could go to it so maybe maybe i'll go down there and watch it from the parking lot and pretend i'm there we so can the
2: florida governor just said that he wants 70,000 people at, at home games now.
3: <laughs> and, lo- and thankfully, the Dolphins are not as dumb as the, the governor and said, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll do what we can. Although, as a Gator fan watching, you know, College Station yesterday, I really thought that A&M had about 100,000 people there. but
1: It certainly every, looked that way.
3: Every state is different. I just want everybody to be safe. And, you know, I'm, I am had Absolutely. a nice... Conversations with my parents about not going to the games this year. they been season ticket holders for 50 years, so they actually were able to go as many games as they want. But they have sold them to younger people that aren't as at risk of, of, of getting sick. So um, uh, I see. Hopefully, and your turn Florida coach
2: was hoping that he'd have 70,000 at the Swamp next next week too. Which Having he took in, a lot of slack for
3: Savak knows he's from there. I'm from there. The South is just a different. <laughs> different animal it's just I mean there's a reason why the sec is in week five and the big 10 hasn't started yet it's it's just it's another animal down there and I'm not at all surprised that the sec and college station Gainesville Tuscaloosa I, God bless them
1: we love our football down here what can is, I say
3: <laughs> even in Jacksonville where they don't see much good football but I'm-
1: that's that's right they still love it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So anyways, shifting over to this win, we got off to a fast start, just like the Jacksonville game, 14-0 in the first quarter and scored on the first two drives. I love it because Preston Williams actually caught the first pass. I mean, right out the gate, Fitz Fitz went and found him. He must have heard us talking about him, okay, because I had pointed out that he must have been wearing camouflage out there because Fitz couldn't find him. Well, that was not the case this week. David, tell me about what you your thoughts are on this opening drive.
3: I mean, we, we obviously – Fitz was great. Williams was great. I do want to pause and, and, and give the defense its due. The defense that had gotten blown up the first couple of weeks of the season gotten kind of annihilated by Russell Wilson and, and Cam Newton and others and made, you know, made Allen, Jared Allen look like he was Joe Montana back there. They set the tone early, getting the Niners in a three and out on that first possession, Jimmy G's first possession, in in weeks set the tone knocked them around a little bit and then like you said the Dolphins answered with Fitzpatrick to Williams um, I thought they, they called a great game and, and maybe they knew Jabari Taylor was back there the former Dolphin that couldn't cover me or you um, <laughs> couldn't keep up and, and and not only did the Dolphins go right down the field you know uh, Parker Devante Parker had a drop on the first drive and they didn't didn't blink an eye and I mean Fitzpatrick was amazing 350 yards three touchdowns pass I mean nine different guys caught passes the running game while not spectacular was still getting three and four yards at a time when the game mattered they were getting three four five yards every single time so credit to the offensive line as well that first drive set the tone as soon as the defense stopped the Niners right down the field for a seven nothing game and at that point you're like Maybe we got something cooking. You stop them again, go right down the field, and it's 14 nothing. You're like, all right, all right, we got, we we're where we need to be. And you know, we're all lifetime Dolphins fans, so it's never over till it's over. In fact, one of my buddies didn't text me until the uh, the interception that when it was 40-17, saying, okay, now it's over. I'm like, now, it's over. <laughs> like even as bad as we've been, we don't blow 40-17 fourth quarter leads. I mean, let's not talk about the massacre in the Meadowlands, but. Uh, we, we did not, and we will not blow 40 to 17 leads.
1: That's right. And, and you know, uh, one, one of the things I was really happy to see was they uh, got very creative with the play calling. Brian, I got to throw it over to you for this because they did exactly what we were saying. They lined up Lynn Bowden out there in the Wildcat. He took a direct snap. We saw that quite a few times throughout mm-hmm. the game. Tell me
2: your thoughts on how this offense performed. Yeah, it was great. You know, and as long as I've been a Dolphin fan, fast starts just haven't been in our repertoire. You know, it's always slow starts. I remember there was a point on the on the Gase led team where like we didn't score our first quarter touchdown for like two seasons in a row. So you know, like there's no there's no um, mistake that the two games we won thus far, both times we started off fourteen zip. And uh, it was great. And, you know, we talked about it on Thursday. The The Forty Nineers' cornerbacks were hurting. And, um, you know, up until this point, we hadn't been going deep. Our longest plays going into this game, we had a 28-yard pass. That really was like a five-yard pass that was taken for 28 yards. And we had a 22-yard pass. And I think that was one of our three 20-yard plays. And, you know, it was – it was definitely the game plan going right off the bat. Let's go deep. You know, we went deep early. We went deep often. We took advantage of it. We got creative with Lynn Bowden. And like, uh, like David said, you know, the, the run game wasn't great, but it it was enough. And, you know, it, it was a good compliment. And at the end of the game, when we needed to run out the clock and we needed to keep the chains moving and, and run the ball, uh, we were able to do so. So, you know, um, but I really got to bring it to the big plays, man. Three 20-yard plays. We had in a play 30 yards all season. This game, we had a 70-yard reception by Mike Gusecki, a 47-yard catch by Preston Williams, a 32-yard touchdown catch by Preston Williams. We had a 31-yard catch by Matt Barita. We had a 28-yard touchdown catch by Devontae Parker. Uh, the list goes on. You know, like uh, Fitz was just – it was like the Eagles game of last year, and it's what we, we talked about on Thursday. He's been missing all season, and they finally took the handcuffs off Fitz and let him go out there and win the game, and he did.
3: I got a perfect stat for you from our great ESPN stats and info department. Fitzpatrick finished five of six today for 199 yards and two touchdowns on passes thrown 20 or more yards downfield. The five completions tied for the second most he's had in a game in his entire career and more than he had in the first four games combined this season. He had been three of five combined in the first four games. To your point, they had attempted five downfield passes of 20 yards or more in four games, and they were five of six today for 200 yards and two touchdowns. And you've got to give credit to the to the coaches for planning that and seeing that the Niners' DBs were, were, were not healthy or not good. Um, and they took advantage of that. And, and we've been to go all the way back to the days where the Dolphins got – was it Mike Wallace to be the deep threat for Tannehill and Ted Ginn before that? We're always like, we got to extend the field. We've got to extend the field. We finally, finally extended the field today.
1: Yes, we did. And it's not, it wasn't just about the big plays, though. What I don't know what they said to Fitz, but he managed to find – Find receivers open in every single area. One thing that I was harping on for the last couple of weeks was the check down game, you know, getting these running backs involved in the passing game. And of course, Miles Gaskin caught five of five today for 34 yards. Now, it might not sound like a lot, but when you need just a, those mm-hmm. few yards, you can count on him to get it, and he was there. But of course, it wasn't all about offense. No. We got to talk about this defense.
2: To Before we move on to defense, I gotta give a little, I gotta give a little respect to Isaiah Ford. Uh, the dude is like I don't want to give him too much credit because he's nowhere near in the category of OJ McDuffie. But there's like little flashes of OJ McDuffie. When when you have a big third and eight or third and nine and you need to keep the, the drive going, it's Isaiah Ford every single time. He had that huge, I think, third and nine catch this week and uh You know, the the other thing about it, too, that I loved is we have deep threats, but, like, it it wasn't just Parker. You know, we went deep all over the place, so they had no idea where we were coming from to, like, to keep them guessing because that's the strength of this team. We have three or four deep threats on this team, and we utilized them all. I love – Chandler Cox caught a first down pass. You know, like, Isaiah Ford got the first down pass. You just got to love – the spreading yeah, the ball Adam, around. Adam Shaheen caught a 3-yard touchdown, touchdown pass, <laughs> which but I wish me, I bet on because it was 22 to 1 if you put money down on that.
3: <laughs> I thought to me on all like you mentioned going downfield and and by the way, the two dolphin receivers opted out this this year, not even playing and they're still doing well in the passing game. And to me, lifelong dolphin fans and and, and we've seen some of the offenses not do what they need to do and have conservative play calling. And to me, the, the offensive play of the game, 14 nothing Dolphins screw up the punt, have to kick short field. Niners go the distance. It's now 14-7. You're like, ah crap, we just change the momentum, change flip the field. Dolphins go down the field and they get to the one yard line, and then they had a bad holding penalty that kicked them back. It's now actually it wasn't a holding penalty. It was tripping, 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 15 yard penalty. Knocked you down to third and sixteen. Now you, me, Brian, sevak third and fifteen. Dolphins up fourteen seven. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna call a draw. They're <laughs> gonna just run three or four yards, settle for the field goal, go up seventeen to seven. Not this game. This game they called. Throw to Devonte Parker in the back of the end zone, and Fitz delivered a freaking rope, a rope for a twenty-eight yard touchdown to Devonte, which is like. My mind was blown because I turned to my buddy who was sitting next to me. All right, this drive's over. They were at the one-yard line. It sucks. We're only going to get three. But, hey, 10-point lead, good answer, good answer. And instead of the draw or instead of a stupid screen pass, a rope to our top receiver in the corner of the end zone, 21-7. At that point, you're like, wow, they can torch this team, and they did. So, to me, that was the offensive play of the game.
2: It was the opposite of – I'm sorry. So it was the
3: opposite of last week. You know, we got down
2: there last week and we played it safe every single time thinking that we'd keep Russell Wilson under 21 points. So like, Oh, let's kick field goals. Like let's play it safe. No, we needed to go out there and we needed to kick some ass and, you know, not leave it up to the field goals. And we do have to give it up to Jason Sanders because the man is a machine. Uh, But yeah, uh, everything on offense went great and it was definitely set up as you segued. And I cut you off a while ago and we'll let you go back to it. It's about that defense, you know, was was the reason why the offense was able to do what it could do.
1: Mm-hmm. There's both sides working together. I do want to highlight. what David said to that point, it was, that was a perfect throw, by the way. I mean, it was right where it needed to be. That's the fits that's going to keep two on the. Okay. <laughs> but for this defense, let's talk about it. Credit to Bobby McCain, of course. And we've been rough on him this year, <laughs> but he got his first interception that led to a field goal right before halftime.
2: Let's talk about it. What do I we- got? I got to come in there because I have just been a jerk to Bobby McCain. All season long, I, you know, I've said it, I've always prefaced it every time saying, you know, I love Bobby McCain. He's a leader of the team, but he's just not playing well at safety. We need to do something about it. And uh, Bobby McCain shoved that interception down my face today. And, uh, you know, it was set up by a good blitz and he came over and it was huge. It was an interception that he returned to field goal range. And we, got a, we got another field goal right before halftime, so... Bobby McCain played very good today. It was nice
3: to see. And I think we came into this season thinking, all right, the Dolphins spent some money on going and getting Jones. And, you know, they went ahead and they had draft picks like Needham two years ago and other draft picks to get there and, and shore up that secondary. Obviously, Xavier and Howard are on the other side. And we thought the secondary was going to be the strength of the team. And then Jones gets hurt on the first drive of the season. And then Cam torches him. And then Allen torched him. And then Wilson torched them. And you're like, all right, where is that secondary? Jones back in today, you saw how good that secondary can be when they're not exposed without Jones. Jones, Howard, McCain, they were really, really good. Ian Needham had a couple of bad penalties, but because they had all of their guys back, they were able to cover guys the right way and be able to blitz a little bit. Wilkins was a monster in there today. Van Noy had a great game. Uh, Baker had seven tackles and a sack and a tackle for a loss overall the defense and we talked about setting the tone three and out on the first drive 49ers get a couple of first downs on drive two after they're down seven nothing fourth and one they go for it why because the dolphins defense has been leaky they stopped them on fourth and one right down the field 14 nothing and that to me was the defensive play of the game we talk about all the interceptions later and how we scored three field goals in two minutes to end the half and just getting better and better and better and jimmy g you know turned into scott mitchell out there for a little while but you you saw what they could do early by shutting them down on the first two drives of the game and if you don't count the fact that they had a short field for that third drive they pretty much shut them out the entire first half and and they set the tone on fourth down they were able to get to the quarterback because the secondary played great and that's the dolphin defense we expected to see this season and i'm very very proud of what they did today
2: I have to agree. I think there's three plays in this game that set the tone. And, you know, one, you guys called it that Parker, you know, that tripping penalty stops us every single time Uh, that fourth and one completely set the tone that we're here for business. We're going to win this game. And I think the third play that really set the tone was uh, Fitzpatrick got that 15 yard run first down. And when he does that, he does the, the strap up and you just know he's there to, to kick ass. And, and, you know, I, I think those three plays really, really set the tone in so many great performances on defense. Uh, can we talk about Andrew Van Ginkle and where we've been hiding this mother? <laughs> this dude is, is just a monster. My uh, wife I called can't... Him
3: Sunshine when she saw we saw the saw the bra the blonde locks and said, "There's Sunshine out there." I'm like, I don't care what the hell you call him. He's awesome today,
2: dude. He is awesome. awesome. That that sack fumble. Uh, I don't know how how Christian Wilkins didn't land on it, but uh, he was dominant. Um, mm-hmm. You know the blitzing. We blitzed. Do you guys know that that the Miami <laughs> the Dolphins blitz. can blitz yeah. because we did it today? It was funny. They asked. Uh, Jerome Baker in the press conference that like in week two, he had a, a sack blitz and they hadn't had him blitz again since then. And they finally let him blitz again. Sure enough, he got a sack. Uh, you know, we, the, I think both interceptions were were started off by, by getting to the quarterback just in time. We also had, we had five sacks in this game. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think, if you put together like five games last year, I don't think there was five games combined that we had five sacks. So five sacks in one game and the, the stat of all stats that just, it makes me so excited to be a Miami Dolphin fan. They said at halftime that they pulled Jimmy Garoppolo because they were scared for his safety because the Miami defense was playing so well. They were scared for his safety When have you heard that about a Miami Dolphin defense?
3: I wouldn't even, like, forget about the the, the safety and the injury. I was thinking when was the last time another team benched their starting quarterback because of the Miami defense? Scared of injury or not, the Dolphin defense was so good that they benched a starting quarterback. Yes, safety is important. He had a bad ankle and all that. But holy moly, like, we got them to bench their starter. That just doesn't happen.
1: Absolutely. I mean, can you blame them? Five sacks, and they all came from different players. That is incredible. I don't, I don't remember the last time we had a defense that played that well. So I probably would have benched Jimmy G, too. <laughs> what else can you do? And, of course, Xavier Howard showed up. Three interceptions in three straight games. He has the most interceptions in the NFL uh, since 2017. Kyle Fuller is second with 13. Um, hasn't missed a game. Howard
2: has missed. How many is that? 15, he's missed 15 games in that same span of time, and he has the most interceptions in the NFL.
3: Can you Amazing. imagine if this guy was healthy? You have Jones you have- and Howard back there, and that makes the defense so much different, so much different. And by the way, we're playing the thing- Jets next week.
2: Howard had an interception and wasn't injured after the fact usually the last like three interceptions he's had he got injured on the play so he had an intercept he actually he dropped another interception but you know it's it was nice to have him back there I mean what we paid for in the secondary is finally coming to fruition it's nice Uh, to
1: see it all coming together you know it About time everything's starting to mesh and as we as with most defenses in the NFL the defenses in football in general they play better when the offense is performing and the offense showed up today so the defense rewarded that and I it's nice to see so I mean we can we can ride this high all day if we want I'm sure but we got to talk a little bit about some negatives
2: wait before we go to the negatives I got two more two more quick ones okay Zach Seiler Undrafted free agent off of the, the Ravens practice squad. Another sack. dude just balls out. Uh, love Zach Seiler. Um, I thought I had one more, but we'll leave it with Zach Seiler. He's just playing mean in the middle, and uh, y- you got to love to see it.
1: And we had talked about him, too. We had talked about how often he, he's able to pressure the quarterback, and we questioned why they weren't using him more for pass rushing CE. Look what happens when you do, Coach Flo. Look at that. Wouldn't that something? <laughs> Which oh, takes... I got my,
2: okay. I got okay, my, got I got my other one. Uh, has anyone seen George Kittle? Ooh. Anyone Anyone seen George and, Kittle?
3: And, and I, I got to be honest. We're all, we're all in this. As fans, we're all in this on the financial side. I, I, I had a DraftKings team today tight end George Kittle goes right in there because you know we can't stop the tight end that's one of the top three in football and it's going to be the George Kittle show all day today and I've never been so happy to be wrong in a DraftKings lineup was the fact that they absolutely shut him down because everything he got was in garbage time late in the game
1: Oh, that's funny. And I called that. I called that on Thursday. We're going to have to shut him down. And look what we did.
3: (laughs) Twice. Twice my buddy sitting next to me said, is Kittle injured? Is Kittle injured? I go, no, they're they're actually shutting down a tight end for once.
1: (laughs) And not just a tight end, one of the best in the league right now. So well done. Now, is it okay Going to negatives Is everybody yeah. on
3: board. <laughs> we, can we can do it. We can do it. I know.
1: I know. I, it's not my favorite part either, guys. I want to keep talking about how awesome this game was. We just got to poke poke a little bit, yeah. just a tiny bit. Let's look at Nick Needham. Had some penalties. Brian, tell me about
2: him. Yeah, it's got to stop. It, it's preventing him from playing. Uh, it's, it's got him on the bench a couple times. And uh, it it's his third game of the year where he's had two either uh, pass interference or illegal contact. The one was a little tough, but he's uh, just got to stop. You know, we can't be giving people, you know, in this game, it didn't really matter. But in the other two, the other games that were he's been committing these penalties, it has mattered. So, you know, Nick needham has got to got to keep his hands off the guy. You know, the kid's got potential. Um, he was a gem on the undrafted free agent. Uh, I'm nothing but rooting for him, but I'd like to see the penalties get under control. Absolutely. I would agree.
3: And and he, you know, he, there were a couple of dicey calls in the game, but you know, he, he pretty much single handedly gave the 49ers a touchdown on that one drive where it was like two consecutive penalties. And then there was the roughing the passer penalty when a couple of helmets hit okay. when a quarterback doesn't fall down they should wave it. Like you can't have roughing the quarterback if the quarterback doesn't fall. Like I understand their face masks touched each other, but come on. That was, that gave them a couple of points as well. But the the, the penalties were, yeah, there's the tripping penalty and a couple of pass interferences, and you, you got to look for negatives and it's better that we're doing it like this, as opposed to if we're talking in a few weeks from now and you know, they, they lose to the bills of the Patriots and you're like, all right, can we find any positives? Um, but I will tell you overall, and the reason why I thought they had a chance today, and this is what I wrote in the column, was they're one and three. Lost to the Patriots, this undefeated Seahawks, and undefeated Bills. You're talking about three teams that are combined ten and two, and they were in all three games until the end. All three until the end. They covered against the Bills. Seattle had a late touchdown, the two touchdowns in a row that covered. And New England covered really, really late. They could have won all three of those games, and they obviously destroyed Jacksonville. So, I mean, they are a two and three football team. Let's not make, you know, let's not try to kill the mood here, but they're going to have penalties. And if you think about it, they ran a graphic on the broadcast today that I definitely was going to say for this show. They're the youngest team in the National Football League. They have one player that's over 30 years old, and it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Everybody else is in their 20s. They're the youngest team. They got an offensive line that is filled with rookies and second year players that are studs. They got a defense that has pretty much been completely redone. You got playmakers out there. You have arguably the franchise player holding a clipboard for the time being. And by the way, you're probably going to get two top 15 draft picks next year in the first and second round. So for the first time, we can actually say without kidding ourselves, the future is bright because. Maybe they make the playoffs. They do have seven spots this year. I looked at the standings before the show, and everybody is four and one or better. So there's still two games out. Probably not gonna make the playoffs. Maybe finish six and ten, seven and nine. We're gonna be frustrated anyway. But it's growing and more next year. And they got a coach that can get it done. He's a you know, a Belichick clone. You see what he's doing, mixing it up. And and what I really liked was after that last fumble recovery when the guy ran over and handed the ball to Flores and handed it to him. That's how much they like this guy. Like, guy gets a fumble. You know, D-Lyman never gets a fumble recovery. Runs over and hands it to Brian Flores. That's where this team is right now. And you love seeing it as opposed to talking about strippers and cocaine and bullies and everything else we've had to deal with over the last couple of years with players and coaches. Or a, a guy whose name we will never mention again who was the coach a few years ago who now we'll see next week. This is different. And it feels different. And again, we're not gonna all have a 43 to 17 win every single week. But it's good to see it all come together. I good say
2: Savak, I'm sorry. I, I say there was one other negative on there, and it's Grant you know muffing another fumble. I say we don't even talk about it. Uh Dave hit on something that I think uh is is the positive of all positives, and it's you know, like last week they got beat, you know, they got beat by a Seattle team. They, they could have gotten really down Uh, Fitzpatrick all week had to answer questions. Is it going to be two at a time? And uh, they love Brian Flores and they're not letting him answer questions like that. They're not letting, they love Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're not letting him answer questions like that. And they took a 3,500 mile flight and, uh, they played for these guys. And like you said, he handed the ball to Flores. We haven't had a coach that, that these guys can play by. Jimmy Johnson, maybe back in the early, in the mid nineties was the last one. Uh, and it's just, it's just so cool to see to get them to play for their quarterback for the coach. And I think we should, we should probably end with this before we let Savak wrap up the show Um one thing that really, I think, stuck out this week that really helped us out was uh, we did not have the Russell Wilson, the Cam Newton, the Josh Allen, who could extend plays and run out the pocket and make our, our secondary cover for a long time. You know, on top of our offensive line is gelling and growing together. Our defense is coming together and getting healthy. I think those are major factors, too. But Having that, that pure pocket passer back there where we could go and tee off on and try to get to. And you got to look at what's coming up, what's coming down the path in their schedule. Next week, the Jets. Uh, Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold can't run uh, besides anything else. Los Angeles Rams, we have a bye week. Jared Goff, he's not, he's not making your run. You know, like he's going to sit back there and we get to – sure they have a couple good wide receivers but we have a couple good DBs the only one that's really on there that's scary is that Arizona game week nine Kyler Murray's going to to get after it but overall they're not playing that great as a great as a as a team we got the Chargers Herbert's not scaring anybody we got the Broncos drew Locke looks like he, he sits in cement uh, then again we've got the Jets with with uh, Sam Darnold and seeing ghosts. And then after that, we got Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, the rookie Joe Burrow. You look at that, that schedule. winning in six of seven right there, so, winning clearing that whole slate and getting back in that playoff run is not out of the picture. Yes. It gets really hard after week 13, those four last games are, are tough that 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 Vegas Raider game is not as scary as as the other ones but um you know maybe we get that that meaningless game at week 17 in Buffalo if they've already clinched it maybe we can pull out the Vegas and the Bills game and and we have a chance you know you look at that schedule those not to mention you know with those weak teams coming up and building that confidence and getting these young guys that uh, that confidence in, in gel together. I mean, we could, we could go on a run here. You
3: know? I had I'd, I'd broken down their schedule a couple of times in the off season, uh, primarily around wind totals and everything else that I deal with. And the dolphin wind total was around six, six and a half. And I was breaking it down in, and also the question I get asked a lot is when will we see two and when will we see Tua and my answer granted, this was the old schedule, the schedule that was in place until about seven hours ago. But I looked at it as the first six games where you featured four playoff teams, Jacksonville and Denver. And I said, two and four is probably the best it's going to be because you're – Buffalo and New England are tough, Seattle's tough. we are not going to go out to San Francisco and beat San Francisco. You know, that's not going to happen. And you got Jacksonville and Denver. So I looked at two and four. Then you had six games on the original schedule that were the Jets twice, Arizona, Cincinnati, and the two L.A. teams. To me, that is when I would have originally gone to Tua – and six games all winnable. We didn't know Arizona would be this good, but you have the Jets twice, Cincinnati versus Burrow, the two LA teams, good not great, but the schedule has changed like you just mentioned. It has changed. You now have the opportunity to get the Jets when you're hot, go three and three, then have the the bye week that came out of nowhere, come back with, I don't know what the order they are anymore, but I know you got both LA teams, you got Denver, and you have the Jets again. All winnable games. Arizona's in there will be a tough matchup. I think we get them at home. You you have the uh, you have the capability of getting to six and seven wins and like you said, last four games, I believe in whatever order it's Buffalo, New England, Kansas City, and Vegas. It'd be tough. It'd be tough. And we never had any designs of this team being a playoff team. There's a reason they were one and three after four games. They did go beat San Francisco and who knows? We didn't think they were gonna make the playoffs a couple of years ago when they did. Much easier schedule. We didn't think they'd make it before that. The one thing I said to my buddy today and then my parents when we had our every Sunday, usually 4.30, but today 7.30 phone call, this is a fun team to watch. Like, in the past, watching the Dolphins was like like a bad job. You were like, all right, what's going on here? Just maddening. Like, you know, did, did that really happen? Did my boss really just do that? It was like a chore. This is a fun team. Even losing to Seattle, New England, and Buffalo, it's a fun team to watch. They want to play for their coach. They want to get out there and hit the quarterback and and celebrate and and do this and do that. It's fun. And I have no illusions of this team making the playoffs winning more than seven or eight games and building for next year, getting Tua in there at some point. It's fun. Fitzpatrick is is, is, as much as everybody's clamoring for Tua. And there's definitely a difference between, you know, my 22 year old cousin and my 75 year old father as to what you think you should do with Tua. But, it's fun, and at the end of the day, you want to – you're telling your family to go do what they have to do so you can watch this game or sit on your lap. Your kids sit on your lap for five minutes before they go doodle somewhere. You're watching this, and it, it was a fun game today. Lost to Seattle. was still a fun game. Jacksonville was a ball, not as much fun as being there the BAC was. But other than the Buffalo game, where it was just maddening that Josh Allen looked like he was freaking Joe Montana and Bob Greasy together, that – other than that, it's been a lot of fun watching the team. It's going to continue to be a lot of fun, of course. As my wife said, as I was walking up the stairs, you also could lose to the Jets, and and then that's like a, you know, what are you doing? But it's not <laughs> gonna, don't think the Jets will win a game this year. So
1: absolutely, and I do. It's funny you touched on something that it reminded me of a interview we we previously had previously had, and I had to point out that Jay Fiedler was absolutely right, because remember Fitz played kind of poorly last week and it got all the Tua talk stirred up and got everybody asking, is it Tua time? We were all asking it. we asked on the show and I love it because Fiedler's response was, was classic. He said, well, that, well, now that everybody's saying that, that they should put Tua in, now he's going to come out and play lights out. That's the way Fitz does. And sure enough, he came out, had a hell of a game. The whole team did. I think we should be really proud. This is, should be. This is a hey, momentous hey, hey.
3: win. And to continue getting the Tua question, to me, it's not about Fitz. It's about Tua. And You don't play Fitz because Tua had a bad game. This season, for what it's worth, is not to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. That's what everybody wants, but it's not. So you're not in it to go and ruin a rookie. You're in it when he is ready, and I have full confidence in Brian Flores, when Tua is game-ready and health-ready, he will play. And if he's not, he won't. I don't care how good or how bad Fitzpatrick is. You don't play Tua until he's healthy and he's ready. And we have no idea what his health is. Healthy. Like we didn't know what it was when they drafted him and we don't know what it is today. When he's ready, he will play. I don't care if they're two and 12 or they're 12 and two. When he's ready, he will play.
2: I think it even has less to do with health. I think it has to do with the competition that Brian Flores builds his team around. When, when, Tua gets in under under huddle in practice, and he is competing with Fitz on on a every play. You know, he's right there with him, and it's not that you know. Like we all heard it from the reporters all training camp. It wasn't close. Fitz dominated training camp when Tua's in practice and giving Fitz a run for the money. He's going to get out there. Until then, it fits his game, and you know the other thing too is if if. if Fitz rattles off seven games. We won't hear that fucking name, too, besides when he's jumping on, on Fitz's back after he throws a touchdown. But with that, I want to go party. I don't know about you guys. Savak, why don't you take us out of here? All right, if you insist. I was having a good time.
1: <laughs> I'll join you
3: guys whenever you want, but primarily after we win 43-17. I'm definitely on the show.
2: Yes, sir.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I like what you said there, though, Brian. Tua can have that job when he takes it. Yep. But for everybody else, make sure you subscribe to the Fin Addicts Miami Dolphins podcast. We do what we do for all of you. Get on there and leave us a nice review. We're on wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You know where to go. Follow us on YouTube at Fin Addicts Network, youtube.com forward slash Fin Addicts Network. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at Finn underscore Addicts. We love to interact with you guys, and we will respond more than likely. It'll probably be Brian, but we will. So Go see us. And for all of us here, Brian, David, we got to go out the way we always do. Finn's up.
2: Fin's up, baby. Thanks. Victory Monday. Who's ready? Me, right here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right
0: at this moment there are men everywhere doing manly things beards unkempt hair run amuck, leaving them in a state of hair despair and that's just what we can see never mind what's going on downstairs but it doesn't have to be that way thanks to our friends at manscaped Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them?